the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Lift Up Jesus with Pastor Dudley Rutherford. I'm Kyle Welch. We are here every weekday at this time to share the good news of Jesus and to lift up His name to this city. No matter if you are listening right now from your car or at home or in your place of work, we believe that today's sermon from Pastor Dudley will be a blessing to everyone. So if you can, get out your Bibles and let's join Pastor Dudley right now with his message. Today, I want you to take your Bibles and get your notes out of your bulletin. I want to speak to you on uh, Revelation chapter 3, verse 16. And you should be able to find this because it's the last book in the Bible. And uh, turn to that third chapter. And I will say that this verse is probably one of the most memorable verses in the entire Bible. That for some reason, when you hear this verse, you never forget it. There are certain verses like that in the Bible where you hear it one time and it just stays with you. And this is one of those verses. Here's what the verse reads, Revelation 3, verse 16. So, because you are lukewarm, everybody say lukewarm, which means you're neither cold nor you're hot, you're just lukewarm, God says, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. As we look at this verse, Revelation 3.16, it's very, 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 very important that you understand the history and the background uh, to this text. And if you understand the history and the background, this verse makes perfect sense. You've got two chapters, Revelation chapter 2 and Revelation chapter 3, There are seven letters written to seven different churches. These seven churches, these seven letters written to these seven churches are, uh, these churches are in an area uh, that we know was called Asia Minor in biblical times. In current times, it's kind of the southwest area of modern day Turkey. And these cities are still there to some degree. Now, each letter was written, there's seven letters to these seven churches in Asia Minor were written, all seven of them were written by Jesus. Jesus wrote these seven letters. Now, imagine if you open up your mailbox and you looked in there and there was a letter and you open it up and that letter was from Jesus. Imagine how carefully you would examine and read and study those words. And in reality, those seven letters written to those seven churches were actually written to us because they're in the Word of God. So each of the seven churches had a different personality. 
personality. They had a different issue to deal with. And so when Jesus was writing his letter to each of these seven churches, he addressed different topics or issues that they were dealing with. The first church in Revelation 2 verse 1 is the church at Ephesus. Their issue was that they had forsaken their first love. They no longer loved the Lord like they did at first. Then you have the church of Smyrna, Revelation 2.8. They had suffered through affliction, great affliction. Then you have the church of Pergamum in Revelation 2 verse 12. It was tenacious in that they stood up against great persecution. They stood and remained steadfast. The problem was they then started to allow false teachers teaching them. And so Jesus had to write that church a letter. Church of Thyatira in Revelation 2 verse 18 had allowed sexual immorality inside the church and they, they, they let it go unchecked. And so Jesus had to write a letter to that church. Then you have the church of Sardis in Revelation chapter 3 verse 1. And quite frankly, the church of Sardis was a dead church. There was no life. There was no joy. There was no worship like we had here today. Then you have in Revelation 3, 7, the church of Philadelphia. And if you read God's word, that letter, the church of Philadelphia was probably the best church of the seven. And then we come to our text, which is the seventh church, the church of Laodicea. They had all kinds of problems, but here was the main problem. Write this down in your notes if you're taking notes. That church was overrun with materialism. And as it was overrun with materialism, it had spiritually gone astray. And in many ways, that describes the church of America today. For the church in America in general, I don't know, I think you know this, but we live in a wealthy country. Now, I know a lot of you have uh, some financial issues and pressures paying all your bills, but... If you would ever travel to a third world country and actually go to a third world country and then come back to the United States, you would realize how wealthy this country truly is. And so America, America is so wealthy and the churches in America, we have so much uh, to be thankful for, but spiritually we have lost our way. Now, the city of Laodicea sat at a junction of two important trade routes. There was a north-south trade route and an east-west trade route. And usually, if your city was anywhere on a trade route, you did well financially. We understand how that works. But if you were at the intersection of two trade routes, like Laodicea, then you would do extremely well financially with money flowing in and out. Laodicea was on a whole nother level. It was ridiculously wealthy. The city, I'm talking about the city of Laodicea for three reasons. Write this down. Number one, it was a hotbed for gold. They had gold in the ground. People were pulling up gold out of the ground. Now we know something about gold here in California. It's what led to the gold rush. That's why so many people originally came out here was for the, for the gold, not the weather. Uh, certainly not for the politics. Amen. Amen. But, uh, there was, there was gold in them thar hills in Laodicea. Number two, write this down. The ground was fertile, 
It was excellent for raising sheep. And so one of the main sources of wealth in the city of Laodicea was the wool. It was the finest wool in the land. And you can imagine they sold this wool to the traders and the textile industries in the city and along the trade routes that went north, south, east, west. And the third thing this city was known for was its medical advancements. We have done research and have studied that they even had doctors back in those days performing eye surgeries. And they had a uh, eye ointment, uh, some type of paste-like substance that they would actually put on people's eyes, and sometimes their eyes were almost miraculously uh, made where they could see, where before they were having eye trouble. So they had gold, they had wool, they had the, the, this eye ointment stuff, and so it was part of the reason why this city was so wealthy, but in order to understand what Jesus was writing here, you have to know the background of what was going on in that city. Now, number two, write this down in your notes. Even though the city was extremely wealthy, they had one major problem. The city had terrible water. There was no source of water in this city. They had to somehow bring it down from, well, there were two places, one in your notes, Hierapolis, which was up north, six miles to the north, they had hot springs. And everyone in Laodicea knew where the hot springs were. This six miles north. And did you know that those hot springs are still there today, right now? Well, people travel from all over the world to go to those hot springs that are six miles north of Laodicea today. They're still there. And so they would bring water down from up north. Now, down south, there was a city called Colossae. And Colossae was known as a cold water source. So if they wanted some real cold water, they'd go down to Colossae. They wanted hot springs, they'd go up north. And Laodicea, laid in between, they would bring that water. Now, it just makes sense. Think about it. By the time that that they brought the hot water from up north, Hierapolis, by the time they got it all the way down to Laodicea, that hot water was lukewarm. And that cold water from down south, Colossae, by the time they brought that up to Laodicea, it too had lost its coldness. It too was now lukewarm. And so it was common knowledge, not for us because we didn't live back in those days, but we've studied this. The people who lived in that city, it was common knowledge that they had money, they had wealth, they had materialism, and that materialism had crept into the church. We can understand that. It was also common knowledge about their water issues. So when Jesus sits down and he writes a letter to the church in Laodicea, right in the middle of his letter, he addresses this issue of materialism. I want you to look at verse 17 in your Bible. Now, our text is verse 16. We're going to look at the verses after it, and we're going to look at the verses before it. Verse 17, Jesus said, everybody said Jesus said, so don't be mad at me. You get mad at Jesus, but don't get mad at me. I'm just telling you what Jesus said. Jesus said, you folks say, I am rich, and I have acquired wealth, and I do not need a thing. Now, who does that sound like to you? That sounds like America today. 
We are so well off, it's one of the reasons why we don't need God. Because we're, you know, we can figure this stuff out on our own. We've got wealth. We've got resources. I really don't need God. I can take care of myself. That's the problem with America today. Jesus said, you say, I'm rich. I've acquired this wealth. I don't need a thing. And then Jesus said this, but you do not realize that you are actually wretched pitiful you're actually poor and you're blind and you're naked he said i know you live in that five thousand square foot house of yours and let me tell you there is nothing wrong with living in a five thousand square foot house but there is something wrong with living in a five thousand square foot house if you're trusting in that five thousand square house foot house to solve all your problems because one little toaster going haywire can burn that whole house up in flames. You got your little nice fancy cars driving around thinking you're all that. That's where you get your, uh, you know, your status. He says, that's pitiful. It's pitiful. You got that retirement plan. You think you're all set for retirement. You're trusting in your 403B. You know what? You're actually poor. You got that gold, that bling bling, your jewelry, your diamonds is so bright you can hardly see. You know what? You're actually blind. And then he says, you know, you, got, you think you got your $5,000 uh, custom-made suits. You know what? Jesus says, you know what you really are? You're naked, is what he says. And then, and then if you study this, you know, just study it. He draws their attention, the church to the three idols that that church was known for, the things that they worshipped. you remember the three things back up in point number one that they were known for? Their gold, their wool, and that eye ointment, the medical advancements? Jesus tells them in verse 18, you all need to stop trusting in your gold, stop trusting in your wool, and stop trusting in your medical advancements. He says, look at verse 18, he says, I counsel you. How many of you would like to get some counseling from Jesus? This is his counsel. I counsel you. If you're going to buy something, buy something from me. I've got gold that you know nothing about that's been refined in the fire if you want to be really rich. And I've got white clothes. And he's talking about the robes of righteousness that you can wear to cover up your nakedness. And you talk about salve. I've got some salve to put on your eyes. Not that you can see physically, but that you can see spiritually. In other words, he says, stop trusting in your wealth and start trusting in me. Your wealth is really keeping you from having this relationship with Jesus Christ if you're trusting in it. Now go back up to verse 14 in the text. Again, we're looking, verse 16 is our text. 
Uh, look, look at verse 14. We want to go up to the beginning to the angel of the church. Everybody say angel. When Jesus wrote these seven letters to these seven churches, he gave each letter to an angel, and the angel was the one who actually delivered the letter to the church. And so he says in verse 14 to the angel of the church in Laodicea, I want you to write that these are the words of the amen, the words of the faithful and the true witness. These words are the words of the ruler of God's creation. In other words, what you're about to read this has the authority stamped on it of Almighty God. So you better pay attention. And then he says in verse 15, speaking to the church, I know your deeds. The Bible says that God's aware of every word that comes out of our mouth and every deed that we do. In fact, they're being written down. He says, I know your deeds. And then he Jesus kind of plays off their water problems that every Laodicean knew about. He said, I, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. And he says, I wish you were one or the other. And then he says in verse 16, so because you're just lukewarm, you're neither hot nor cold, I'm about to just spit you out of my mouth. I want you to write this down. God is saying here, you're making me sick. I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, these are heavy words. Say that. Now, I want you to turn to your neighbor and say this. This is the New Testament. Turn to your neighbor and say, Jesus says... Your lukewarmness is making him sick. Now, there's two Greek words. I want you to write this down. The first word, kleros, is just a word that means that you're kind of in between hot and cold. It basically means that you've lost your essence. You've lost your character. You've lost your usefulness. You remember those waters up at Hierapolis, the hot, the hot water? It had many uses. Well, there are many uses for hot water. And, and, and those waters of Colossae, those cold, the cold water, it has many uses. But that, luke, that lukewarm water is just kind of like blah. It's kind of like most of you have gone to Starbucks. And you walk in there, they've got a list of cold drinks and a list of hot drinks. There, there, there's, nothing, there's no thing on there that says lukewarm. We like hot and we like cold, but, you know, in fact, if you order a hot drink and you get it and it's lukewarm, even you don't like it. The second Greek word is eo, which means, and you got to write this down, it means to vomit. It doesn't mean to spit. Spit is something I choose to do. Vomit was just, it's a word that means to reject Jesus is using vulgar language, a vulgar image out of his mouth in order to describe the degree of his disgust. The behavior of the Laodiceans is repulsive to Jesus. I've got three chairs up here. Curtis, hand me these chairs real quick if you can, brother. You see these chairs? 
Oh, okay, I thought maybe I was talking. So this chair is cold. This chair represents hot. This chair, the lukewarm chair right here, this is where most of us are sitting today. Most of us. We'll talk about this. Can we have a little talk? This chair here is comfortable, right? I mean, that chair over there, I mean, I don't know. I mean, that, those people are really committed to Jesus. And these people over here have nothing to do with Jesus. But I kind of like just sitting here. You know, it's kind of comfortable. You gotta, I want to go here. I want to go to church. I can go to church. I want to go hang out with my buddies. I go hang out with my buddies. <laughs> this is nice right here, you know? Sunday I go to church, Friday night I'm going out to the clubs. <laughs> this is neutral. It's neutral. You know, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not on fire for God, but I'm also not a rebel. I'm just kind of here in between, right? I, I'm, not, I'm not Billy Graham, and I'm not Howard Stern. I just kind of sit right here, you know, right here where the lukewarm stuff is. And I, you know, you know, I, 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 I go to church a little. I give a little. You know, I live in that $800,000 house and I drive an $80,000 car, but I go to church. I give them 10 bucks from time to time. I'm not like that guy over there who gives nothing. I, I serve a little. Oh, I read my Bible a little bit. I think last year I read like 10 chapters. And what does Jesus say about the person who sits in this chair right here? Jesus says, I know your deeds. You are neither cold nor hot. And then Jesus says, I wish. Everybody say, I wish. So what does Jesus wish? He wishes that I was either get up and sit over here and get on fire for God. Or he would rather me... Just say, you know what, I, I, I'm really not into this thing. I, this is not my cup of tea. I'm just going to live my life the way I want. He would, rather you, he would rather you get over here than sit here. Now, I don't understand that. I understand why he would rather me be hot than lukewarm. But why would he rather me be cold than lukewarm? Why? It's a blessing for us to bring this program to you every day. We exist only by our faithful partners who support us through their prayers and financial gifts. If Pastor Dudley's message has been a blessing to you, we would like to encourage you to consider joining in partnership with us so we can continue to be here every day to bless others with this important ministry. Your gifts, whether large or small, are greatly appreciated and go directly to help keep us on the air. You can find out more about supporting us by calling our toll-free number, 888-818-4777. That number again is 888-818-4777. We have operators standing by and ready to take your call. You can also support us by going to our website, liftupjesus.com forward slash reach. That address again is liftupjesus.com forward slash and then the word reach. The secret to overcoming any obstacle you are facing today is revealed through one of the most extraordinary victories ever recorded in the Bible, the Battle of Jericho. 
Joshua and the Israelites followed God's unusual plan to walk around the heavily fortified walls of Jericho for seven days. The Lord promised that at the end of those seven days, he would cause the walls of that famed city to fall, allowing his people to take possession of the promised land. In his book, Walls Fall Down, Pastor Dudley Rutherford shows us how the seven spiritual principles in this story are available for all of us today. You will learn how the foundation behind Joshua's victory is the key to overcoming your own hurdles and unsolvable issues. When you choose to do things God's way, walls crumble, victory replaces defeat, and a blessed future unfolds. Pastor Dudley's book, Walls Fall Down, is available for a gift of any size to the Lift Up Jesus ministry. This invaluable resource can be yours right now by calling our toll-free number, 888-818-4777. That number again is 888-818-4777. You can also order this book directly from our website, liftupjesus.com. That address again is liftupjesus.com. Discover how your personal Jericho battle is no match for the power of an awesome God. Call us right now and receive your copy of Walls Fall Down by Pastor Dudley Rutherford today. I'm Kyle Welch. We invite you to join us every weekday at this time when we again lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley. Pastor Dudley.